Taking Back My Crazy, Episode 1. It's not a heart attack. Welcome to Taking Back My Crazy. My name is Matt. And this is a journey that I'd like to take with you all. This podcast is dedicated to the discussion of mental health and my personal experiences and adventures with bipolar disorder. Yours may vary. In this first episode, I thought I would start and share my own story of just how I became the leaning tower of stability that you were listening to today. This story starts with some rather unstable circumstances, and even though I wasn't always crazy, you see, I did spend about 34 years in this world just being nuts. But once I found out that I was indeed in need of professional help, I graduated to confused, and then moved on to scared, passed by terrified with a scenic journey near my life as I know it is over. Finally, I've arrived where I am currently, which is being delightfully nutty and, well, full-blown crazy at other times. So in the immortal words of Axl Rose, welcome to the jungle. Let's dive right in. It was the summer of 2014, and things were not going exactly well. I was not entirely sure why I felt so indescribably blah. Most of the time, I felt some kind of way about things, and other times I just didn't feel anything. There were other times that I felt everything, and I felt everything all at once. I was engaged in what I would later describe as emotional prostitution, otherwise known as car sales. My ability to be very flexible with my moods allowed me to pretty much pick up on the mood of whomever I was with and be rather effective at my job. However, I feel that a word of caution or disclaimer of sorts is in order here. If you are prone to anxiety or happen to be bipolar or have panic attacks much like I do, I implore you to avoid working for commission, especially when it's a 100% commission-based job. Although the regular stresses of most jobs pale in comparison to the unique environments that car dealerships can present, I digress. As I was saying, I was working as a car salesman. It wasn't a bad job per se, but a less than ideal job given my circumstances. I, however, was unaware that I had circumstances until this particular summer. You see, I was at work one day, sitting in my office, and it began to happen again. I'd been having spells, you see, where I felt like I couldn't breathe and my chest hurt. I began to sweat, and by this time my heart was pounding, and my thoughts were racing with nothing but the worst outcomes. As a husky gentleman, it was obvious at the time to me that I was having some type of cardiovascular event, either a stroke or a heart attack, for sure, but there was always the chance it was some rare thing doctors only saw in med school and forgot about long before graduation. Maybe they wouldn't even know what to do if I went to the emergency room, So maybe I'll drink a cup of water. Yes, water, this will cure whatever this is. Ice cold water. But what if I needed open heart surgery? You can't eat or drink anything before surgery. Would the water I just drank prevent me from having a life-saving open heart surgery? Well, by this point, I was fully and truly screwed. My mind was spiraling out of control, and then there was the rest of whatever was living inside my chest that was trying to burst out. I had multiple emergency room visits with these symptoms. 
And let me tell you how fast being a husky gent with chest pains lets you skip the line in the emergency room. Now these symptoms subjected me to no small amount of stress by themselves. But now I had the 24-hour heart monitor, the blood test, the fasting blood test. Did I mention they didn't let me eat breakfast? But the worst one was a hospital stay that resulted in a stress test. Seeing as how I now know that I had no shortage of stress, that was the catalyst for these symptoms. This particular test sucked the most. A lot of people have these tests, but working 11 hours a day didn't really leave me much motivation nor time for exercise. So the morning they stuck me on a treadmill and gave me my marching orders, I was less than pleased. Hooked up to my leads and computers and bits and bobs and all these things, I began walking briskly. And walking briskly wasn't something I often did unless I had to pee or there was a buffet involved. Oh no, but that's not the worst of it. As my heart rate climbed into the 140 to 150 beats per minute range, which I'm really not used to, the treadmill began to raise in the front. Incline, folks. Yes, indeed. The treadmill now pointing heavenward, leading me towards the pearly gates for sure. This was the launch pad to the afterlife, and I wanted off. Panic kicked in full force. But the nurse wouldn't let me get my life-giving glass of water. The other nurse with the crash cart was right behind me, which I was later told was protocol for anyone during these tests. But at the time, seeing the heart jumper cables wasn't exactly calming. 160, 165, 170 beats per minute. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, these lovely nurses were going to kill me. I was sure of it. The dizziness came and my head was swimming with the possibilities. I begged the nurse to let me stop. She said, just a few more steps, you can do it. She didn't know what I was going through and neither did I, so onward I went. 175, she said, and just like that, I went from upright on this death march to my side to getting an ultrasound of my pounding heart. The results. Always, always, always. Your heart looks good. Your heart's perfectly healthy. Oh, and the ever-present, if you wanted to lose some weight. So this held my mind calm for a month, maybe two, through these horrid episodes of panic. My income plummeted like a stone because I was terrified to leave my desk. I was in constant communication with my wife just so she could tell me I was okay enough to stay at work. Finally, during one of these episodes, I went to my boss in tears and told him, I'm sorry, but it's happening again. He said, look, man, I need you here, but if you're having these symptoms, you need to get yourself sorted out. I was trying, but I had no idea what to do. Back to the emergency room yet again. This trip, however, was different. Much different. As I lay on my oh-so-familiar cot in the hallway with a heart monitor, as I was accustomed to doing on these field trips, a very young doctor came up and sat on the side of my cot. He looked at me and said, Your heart's fine, bud. You're not having heart problems. You're having head problems. These are panic attacks. What? What the actual hell is a panic attack? I missed the memo on these little gems. Panic attacks? Aren't those something crazy people have? 
They're like some symptom of major mental illness, right? Well, as I'd find out in the next weeks and months to come, I was kind of right. But more importantly, they were part of my mental illness. These were my symptoms, and this is what I would have to learn to deal with. This, folks, was the Genesis chapter of my guided mental illness story. I hope that someone hears it and realizes that their heart is fine. And maybe that a conversation with a friend, a dog, a family member, or even a doctor does help. Don't let the world tell you you're fine. Your symptoms are real. Just like mine were. There is help out there. And I hope that by writing all this down and reading it to my computer, someone finds theirs. Until the next episode, I will leave you with a paraphrased quote from David Foster Wallace, one of my favorite authors. Severity is in the eye of the sufferer. Pain is pain. Thank you for listening.